It's time to hammer down and push your IndyCar to the limit. When checkers in the air and Takuma Sato wins the Indianapolis 500-mile race. From turbochargers to tight turns, we're covering everything that's happening on and off the track with the NTT IndyCar Series. Scott Dixon is a six-time IndyCar champion. How about that? This is Sirius XM's Brick by Brick. Well, it's that time again. Brick by Brick for everything you want to know about the NTT IndyCar Series is back on the air. And uh, right next to me, my uh, regular co-host, Tony Kanan, TK Barber, is now in the books. Yep. First impressions? Um, wow. A really fast uh, pace from the cars. Um two seconds quicker because of the asphalt. Um, we didn't go there last year. A uh, huge props to the arrow screen. Wow, that, yeah. saved, that saved Hunter A's head. So if anybody had a doubt, uh, one more time. Uh, eventful, uh, not eventful actually, I would say extremely exciting start with New Garden's mistake and taking a lot of good cars out of contention. Uh, surprisingly, how strong Palou was, although I have an inside job there. I knew he was going to be very competitive. And a guy that, you know, was able to save few as much as Scott Dixon leading a race and going as fast as a guy that we're going to have to start looking for. Uh, great performance by Sebastian Bourdais. Um, you know, I think with, with Foyt, he's been, he proved that last year in the last race in St. Pete. So, Glad to see them running well. And it wasn't, I have to admit, it wasn't as boring as a race as I thought or I expected to be because Barbara usually it's a, a tough place to pass. But um, because of all this action, I think it made it better. Still, it was still hard to pass. I mean, with five laps to go, Palou caught Connor Daly and then couldn't pass. And then Will closed the gap, which made more exciting. But it still, it still shows that a guy that is going a second and a half quicker than the tail end of the field still couldn't make a pass. The pole sitter and the winner are part of our show today, but I, I want to circle back and share with you a few more things that I need answers to. We saw, and it's, it's so typical on road courses, we saw people choosing different strategies to get position. And then it boiled down to, like it always does, to making fuel, to conserving, to hitting a mark. How difficult is that for a race car driver? Because it's counterintuitive to what you are expected to do every day. And that's to just be flat out and as fast as you can. I mean, it's tough because you got to be, nowadays you got to be perfect in everything. Everything. Mm -hmm. you, you see, you saw um, Pato and Rossi dominating the beginning of the race and they choose a different strategy and once you lose those valuable positions you, you can't take it back it's a hard place to pass the cars are really similar i mean if you, you're talking about running two three tenths quicker than the other guy that's not enough because mm -hmm. what people need to realize when you're even let's say half a second a lap quicker than the guy in front of you you might be half a second quicker than them in two corners there are not really the corners that you can make a pass and then you're never going to pass him because, you know, the opportunity you have to pass, the corner that leads to the passing zone, 
he's the same or better than you, then you can't pass. So, yeah, I mean, strategy is playing a huge, huge role nowadays, track position, and be precise on the pit stops. Because even if you're leading, you come in and you lose two seconds, you lose the lead, you're not passing the guy back. The sidebar story, which in many cases became the primary story for the non-IndyCar public, and that was the debut in an IndyCar of your teammate, uh, Jimmy Johnson. Grade his performance. Look, uh, I think Jimmy's doing an awesome job for the time he had in the car. I mean, unfortunately, uh, for rookies nowadays, it's really tough. And from a mm -hmm. guy that, you know, I think we... We kind of closed the loop. You saw many years ago, all drivers making a transition from IndyCar to NASCAR and struggling exactly the same as Jimmy did from NASCAR to IndyCar. So finally, I think, thanks to Jimmy, we can say, guys, it's tough both ways. We're not better than you. You're not better than us. It's just, it is a race car, but it's a completely different race car, both series. So I think Jimmy got... Escaped, escaped from the huge wreck. Uh, that was pretty impressive. On the first lap, 100%. And got yeah. excited. I mean, again, I, I saw his score. This is after qualifying. I wasn't last, which, you know, a guy that is a seven-time NASCAR champion celebrated that he wasn't last. He knows he has a lot to learn. So I would give him a, a seven and a half or a B. Okay. Um, I think the spin... Uh, could have been avoided, but that's part of the learning curve. And I, I obviously get uh, the inside, uh, you know, debrief. I got his lap times and I was watching. So towards the end of the race, he was very competitive, which is promising. So he just needs to, to run more. Um, obviously, he got one road course under his belt. His biggest challenge is going to be this weekend. You know, it's a street course. It's a hard one. I think... Once he passes that, I think he's going to be okay. Yeah, let's talk about St. Pete because that's on the horizon. Uh, and not just for Jimmy Johnson. As you said, uh, that layout is challenging for any driver in that starting field. Tell me the key places that you believe are critical to getting the victory. Well, I would say it's it's a very simple track. So if you, if you look at the lap time is really made between turn four and turn seven. And the last corner, which is the 90 degree, that's the one that is really important because you can get past. But I think it's a track that you really have to push to the limit and be really inches from the wall to be able to get that extra couple tenths. Mm -hmm. um, and that will be the key this weekend to see who's, uh, who's going to be as precise to be that close to the wall and not hit the wall to be fast. Yes or no? Lap one, down into turn number one. We we always see the scatter and the just it's all out mayhem. Will it happen again this weekend? Uh, the race car driver of Tony would say, I hope not. Right. But I think it will. Yeah. It, it's just the way it is. It's, I, I it's, think it goes as part of St. Pete. It's St. Pete. Let's let's talk about Will Power a little bit because you alluded to him. Um, he's the master at polls, and he's denied the pole position at uh, Barber. He is the master at closing the gap. Unsuccessful, ends up finishing second. 
which Tony Stewart has always said is second is first loser. How hungry do you think he will be going to St. Pete? Well, I think uh, the guy that has a target on his back is Palou. I, I would not like to be sec- leading the championship second to power and third to Dixon. Um, they're coming. You know, they're coming. And I think Will, um, psychologically, Will gets more pumped that he's, he gets good results and he's like, gets really demotive if he gets a bad result. So he's going to be extremely dangerous this weekend because he got it. He got a sniff of the win. He got beaten qualifying, which he doesn't like that, I know. Uh, I mean, he's, I think, in my opinion, the best qualifier I've ever seen in IndyCar. Like, when it comes time, the guy, I don't know where or how he makes it happen. So, I feel uh, I feel bad for the rookie, for Palou, the rookie and <laughs> the, the team, but I think he can. <laughs> they had them. a taste. They had a taste, but pretty soon it's going to be, whoa, pump the brakes. Right? Yeah. It's not going to be that easy. I had the opportunity to talk to Will on my on my podcast, Jackaroot's Wind Tunnel. And one of the things that he confessed, and I think you've known him long enough to agree with his assessment, that he is his own worst enemy. He is the one that critic criticizes whatever he does the most, and sometimes in an overwhelming fashion, and then he has to climb out of the hole. Do you see the same thing from him? Yeah. Like I said, I think the biggest challenge he has, it's that. It's controlling mm. that, right? And then I can't say that from experience. I'm very emotional. And then over the course of the years, I tried, I think, with all the hurdles I got, you know, beginning from my dad days when I lost him. And then, you know, the curveballs that I got, I tried to equalize a bit. And I think, and I had actually to seek for help uh, mm. for that. I couldn't do it on my own and figure it out on my own. I'm not trying to say we all need help or anything, but you're asking my opinion. This is just really my opinion. I think that is a, it's a personality of his, and it's like me, and then it, it sometimes can, can hurt you, for sure. Well, as I said, the, the two focus, the focus of Barber, the two drivers, the pole sitter and the winner, will join us here on Brick by Brick. And later, when we close out, this little Coco Clatch and harmonica recital. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about St. Pete and some of the other drivers that should be on our radar when they go to the Sunshine State. But right now, great news for Indy 500 fans. The Speedway just held a press conference announcing that state and local health officials have given the green light to the Speedway to host fans for the greatest spectacle in racing, the Indy 500. Attendance will be limited to 40% capacity, but that means that 135,000 fans will be able to attend. And the race is going to end up being the largest attended sporting event held since the start of COVID-19. In addition, starting with the Indy GP and in the days leading up to the 500 race, Speedway officials also announced that they'll be offering vaccinations to everybody that attends. I don't know about you, but I think this is just another indication that finally COVID-19 is headed into our past. Coming up next. It's time for the motor racing world to say hello, hello. The winner at Barber 
Alex Pillow. Alex, congratulations, man. We know that racing is super tough. We know that all our competitors want to win as well, but we need to win and that's what we work for. So if we finish second, it's okay. It's okay one time. We have to win. Um, we have all the tools in, in between our hands uh, at the shop, at the race, uh, at the race weekends to, to be able to do that. And, and yeah, it's just amazing to be part of it. IndyCar's Brick by Brick, hosted by Jack Aroot, is available as a podcast on the Sirius XM app. Free for most subscribers. Just download it today and tap podcasts. Hey there, this is Alex Palou, driver of the number 10 NTT Data Honda for Chip Ganassi Racing, and you're listening to Brick by Brick at Sirius XM. From the green flag to the checkered flag, we're discussing the hottest topics from the NTT IndyCar Series. This is Sirius XM's Brick by Brick. This guy, the 24-year-old Spaniard, who out of the car is just, has such a lovely demeanor. He's such a pleasant young man behind the wheel. He is an animal. It's time for the motor racing world to say hello, hello. Alex Pillow wins his maiden IndyCar race. Great, great job, everybody. Winning on no We are so pleased to welcome in the newest winner in the NTT IndyCar Series. We've spoken to him before, and now he has gone to victory lane. You know what we're talking about. The winner at Barber, Alex Pillow. Alex, congratulations, man. Thank you so much, Jack. Thank you. Um, yeah, what an amazing day yesterday. What an amazing weekend overall, and what an amazing last few months uh, being part of Chip Ganassi Racing. Has the victory sunk in yet? Yes. Um, yeah, to be honest, yeah. I, I expected a different feeling, to be honest. I expected a good feeling, but I didn't expect much. Um, what, what really gives me happiness is to see everybody from the team, mechanics, crew chief, engineers, everybody that is on the office, all my family, my friends, social media. That's what really makes me happier to see all that people that's been trusting in me for so long and being them, seeing them being so happy makes me super, super happy. So I'm super proud. I'm super happy, but it makes me feel happier to see everybody happy. Let, let's talk about your new team. Chip Ganassi Racing certainly has a long legacy of winning. In fact, your owner, he goes on the social media with a hashtag, I like winners. Describe to me what you have learned about Chip Ganassi Racing since you've gone there. Man, it's crazy. It's crazy. This team is crazy. It's crazy about racing. It's crazy about winning. And that's why they are 13-time IndyCar champions. Um, that's why they win so much. That's why they are always up there. It's because um, starting from Chip, he has a mentality. Um, he has says that's the only thing he has. He doesn't have 20 businesses, uh, uh, I don't know, aviation, restaurants, or something like that. He just has racing, and that's his life. Um, he goes to every single race that he can. Like, he tries to go NASCAR, IndyCar, NASCAR, IndyCar. Um, he goes bouncing around. Um, and the mentality he has is that racing is just sport. Um, you have to enjoy, but he wants to win. That's why we're here. And, and I think that it gets into the mind of everybody in the office, um, all the mechanics, 
all the drivers and and that's why we delivered results because we know that racing is super tough we know that all our competitors want to win as well but we need to win and that's what we work for so if we finish second it's okay it's okay one time we have to win um we have all the tools in in between our hands uh, at the shop at the race uh, the race weekends to to be able to do that and and yeah it's just amazing to be part of it I want to circle back for a moment to the race itself at Barber. Um, a lot of people choosing an assortment of strategies. How difficult was it for you to listen to your strategists and let it unfold? Because it, it really, to me, was the fascinating part of the race. Yeah, so it was tough. Um, at the beginning, the only plan that was going to work on track was to do a three-stop. That was plan A. That was the plan that I think everybody had on their minds. But the first yellow opened a bit that window, and it was if you risk it, you maybe can make it. If you want to play it safe, you can go for free stops. And then the second yellow hit, and it was like, okay, we can make it. It's not going to be easy. Like You still have to save tons of fuel, um, but you can make it. So I had that in mind since the first yellow. I had that in mind on the second yellow. The team gave me the instructions to go for a two-stop strategy with fuel uh, targets. And my only concern was like, man, I'm racing with willpower and with Scott Dixon. So there's nobody better than Scott Dixon on fuel saving because I saw his data. He's better than me. And I didn't see Will's data, but I saw him winning so many races uh, when the fuel mileage counts. So I was like, man, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm fucked. Like, I want to say that. But I'm, I'm, <laughs> no, you that's are. what I thought at the beginning. Yeah, I said, man, these guys are going to. So I just tried to go back to warm up where I struggled so much on fuel saving. Um, we analyzed what Scott was doing differently. And, and I just tried to, to put that into work. It didn't work for the first 10 laps. I was not hitting the, the numbers. Um, that's why I did. Uh, one lap less than Will, than Scott, and two laps less than Will on the first, on the second stint. But then we started hitting it. I started understanding, and I think I was able. Um, I had a really good car, so that was making my job easier. So when you have a really fast car, you are able to save more fuel. Um, but yeah, man, at the beginning I was like, man, these guys are better than me on that. I I know I can be like super quick and super consistent, like going full throttle, and that's that was my plan, like go flat out um but but i knew that on a fuel safe strategy they're gonna be closer to me so it worked out which i think it makes uh, this race even more important because i won a race that i really it was not my strong point my strong point i think it's to be able to be quick so many laps and, and full throttle without worrying about anything else um but uh, we won one playing the game from the big guys and and that's amazing for for my confidence i know i can do it now maybe not as good as them for sure but i can be close to them and and we'll keep evolving for sure yeah you mentioned two of the best will power and your teammate scott dixon at, at stretching the fuel mileage uh before you went into that race how much did you uh, pick dixie's brain on how to make fuel as much as possible. So first thing on during preseason, I already saw I was lacking that 
playing of fuel saving. And I ask him, hey, I saw you did that. You do that. That's the way you drive. How do I do that? And he was like, man, you just have to do this, this and that. And I was like, yeah, I try, but that doesn't work for me. Like, <laughs> um, and it's just about the experience. It's about do over and over and over and over. And finally, <laughs> you see what it works for you. Um, but it was super, super mind clicking or I don't know how to say, but uh, I got a different approach and I saw the light uh, during the warm up. I was super fast on warm up. Uh, I would think I was the strongest car on the blacks, um, but Scott was like 0 0.2, 0 0.3 miles per gallon more than me, which is a ton for people that doesn't understand that that's a lot. Um, and I, I just analyzed a lot with all my engineers and, and we were like, okay, that's what I would have to do. I know that's the theory, but we, we need to, to execute. So as I said, didn't work for the first 10 laps and it ended up working. I'm going to go backwards for just a second with you. They drop the rag at Barber. You guys don't even complete one lap. And there is a Talladega stock car type accident. How close were you to all that action? Not much. Uh, I was not super close. I think that was on sixth position on P6 that started happening, which is like pretty, uh, pretty early. Uh, that doesn't happen usually, um, but mm -hmm. that was on P3. So I was away from that. I saw the replay from that. That was scary, but man, IndyCar, like we have no tire warmers. Um, it's super tough. That corner, it, it's a jump. So the IndyCars, they don't jump, but they lift a bit. And once they land on cold tires and going behind a car without downforce, you, that's why you get a bit of oversteer. And that's what Joseph got. Um, I think that everybody was worried about that. And the bad thing for him was that he clipped the grass, um, which is unfortunate, but that's what happens when you're going all out. And we always go all out, all the IndyCar drivers. Um, I'm super glad that everybody was fine. Um, I saw some race from Hunter Race on board that the air screen saved his life. You can say that. If you didn't see that, please watch that because IndyCar did an amazing job on, on the air screen there. And yeah, amazing to see everybody um, good. Uh, they lost some points, but I know uh, the season is super long and they'll get there. I thought it was great to see your teammates all come to congratulate you in victory lane. But uh, Jimmy Johnson, while you win, Jimmy Johnson, check the box. I want to run the entire race. Uh, is it true that in a conversation with Jimmy before uh, you guys got to Barber, uh, the fact that your dad was going to be there, you reminded him that your dad was younger than he was? No, that's not the story, man. That's not the story. I know <laughs> that's what everybody thinks. That's just the story. It was in Barber. Dario was talking to me. We were on a dinner, all the team. Um, Chip was there. And Dario said, oh, so your dad is coming? And I was like, yeah, my dad is coming. Um, and I don't know why, but the age thing came up. And Dario was like, oh, so how old is your dad? And I was like, uh, it's younger than Jimmy. And Jimmy was there. And he was like, what? No, he's not. And I was like, yeah, he's 43. At the moment so and then it was like his face went like super serious um and they started laughing i think it's gonna be a game when he's gonna return something to me uh for 
for what I've been said. Um, so he's not happy at the moment, but it is what it is. Listen, that, that goes with having teammates that interact with each other. Alex, let's turn our attention to the streets of St. Petersburg. Um, you've got some experience there. What are the biggest obstacles that drivers have to overcome? Bumps, walls, crashes. <laughs> 100 laps, you have 100 laps on a street course with the cars, with 23 more drivers. So you have, you're going to be having lots of obstacles. Um, it's a tough track. It's a tough race, but um, I'm, I'm calm at the moment. I've been there before. I raced there before, which gives me a lot of confidence. And I know I'm going to have a car that finished on the podium last year um, and did a podium two years ago. So um we have a good car there for sure i'm 100 percent sure it's gonna be about executing doing the obvious things right as chip like to say and and that's it and we're gonna be um as good as we can be uh, hopefully on the podium and and if we have a perfect weekend outside of knowing now how to make fuel is there anything else from barber that you can transfer over to saint pete there's an awful lot of walls instead of runoff with grass and sand. So is there indeed anything you can take from the way you drove Barber and actually apply that to the streets of St. Petersburg? Yeah, so I'm not a rookie, but I'm still part rookie, in my opinion. Like last year, it was my rookie year, but the pandemic hit. We only had one pre-practice instead of three pre-practices. We had 15 races with double headers instead of 17 races separate. Um, and and I'm still not used to IndyCar. Like, I'm getting there. Like, um, every lap I do, I get confidence. I think we had a really good preseason. I think that the motivation, the confidence that I got in Barber and the laps, that's going to help me into St. Petersburg. And just more laps with the team and with this car, um, that's going to be... Uh, a key factor in St. Pittsburgh, but I'm I'm really confident in St. Pittsburgh. I I had a really good uh, free practice run there last year. Um, the race didn't really go well because of strategies and crazy mm -hmm. stuff that happens in IndyCar. But we tried. We were up there, and and I'm super confident about St. Pittsburgh. It's a track I like. It's super demanding. Has some really high speed corners, which are tough and and heartbreaking. So yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Well, listen. From uh, the drop of the checkered flag all this week and probably for the rest of the year, you're going to be a very, very, very busy man. That's what okay. we want. That's what we like. <laughs> Listen, we're, we couldn't be happier for you, and we appreciate you joining us today. Yeah, thank you so much, Jack, for having me once again here. And hopefully we can be in victory lane again next week, and hopefully I can be in your show again next week. You got it. Well, TK's back with us. TK, you have an intimate understanding of Alex Below because let's face it, he's your teammate. Yeah, I mean, what a what a stellar performance. But I have to say, obviously, I spent a little bit of time with him this offseason. We've done a lot of uh, the promo shootings. I mean, if you guys follow us on Instagram, we've been doing the this is Ganassi, trying to copy the old um, the old ESPN thing, um, like. I'll give you that. I meet the kid for the first time and the kid's staring at me like, 
wow mm-hmm. i'm like what well, i thought it was something like did i eat something and i drop it on my shirt he's like i'm a big big fan i admire your job but we i hope i can be like you one day i was like wow you know it's that's kind of like i'm not saying it was a compliment but you can say how humble the kid was did the same thing with with uh jimmy and with dixon he just tries to copy everything dixon does which i said we all try man don't don't even <laughs> don't even worry it's not gonna happen and uh humble guy happy to be around knows his place knows the opportunity that he got and uh he proved it so i think um i have to to say since the dan and uh dan and dixon era and dario and dixon era he's gonna be the toughest teammate dixon had mm. in a long time and by the way i was there if you guys remember yeah. so I if you remember that's correct I'm, yeah. I'm not including myself on that because I, i'm here he, Here's not the race car driver talking. It's the Tony and Jack, the big by brick, making a, a, a you know comedy about some somebody. And 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 yes, I mean he uh, he's gonna make Dixon younger or older. We'll see. Yeah, we'll have to see. I, I thought it was funny when he said in the interview and he finally confessed how the comment made to Jimmy Johnson about Jimmy being older than his father. And yeah, well, thank you, God I wasn't there because I'm as old as That's right. <laughs> that's where I was going. Okay, we've talked to Alex Blow. He's the winner of the race. What about Pato Award? All of a sudden, McLaren's showing a lot of muscle. He'll be with us next. Coming up next. Our next guest sat on the pole with uh, McLaren SP. Pato Award joins us now. It was a tough race. You know, if... For everyone that saw it, I think we just we went with the wrong strategy. We had a lot of pace in the car. We had a lot of pace throughout the weekend. Um, I think we showed that we were we were there to compete at the front, um, but we just didn't quite uh, come together because we weren't we weren't perfect. We 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 weren't on the right strategy, and uh, they beat us to it. Quick pit stop, and then we're back on the track. This, this is Sirius XM's Brick by Brick on NBC Sports Audio Channel 211. All of the off-season stuff is gone. It's behind us. It's time to go racing in 2021. We're hitting the apex to bring you the hottest news from the NTT IndyCar Series. This is Sirius XM's Brick by Brick. TK, our next guest sat on the pole with uh, McLaren SP. Uh, Pato Award joins us now. Pato, it didn't quite turn out the way you had hoped, but it showed an awful lot of muscle for your team. Yeah, hello, guys. Um, man, it was, uh, it was a tough race. Um, you know, if, for everyone that saw it, I think we just we went with the wrong strategy. Um, we had a lot of pace in the car. We had a lot of pace throughout the weekend. Um, I think we showed that we were we were there to compete at the front, um, but we it just didn't quite uh, come together because we weren't we weren't perfect. We 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 weren't on the right strategy, and uh, they beat us to it. Mm-hmm. But obviously, it was an awesome lap. Um, you've shown obviously. Yeah, I think in my opinion, you're gonna be one of the toughest guys to beat this year. What um, have you guys talked about the strategy? What obviously it's easy to say, what 
could have, should have, would it have been different? Um, is that because I think, in my, in my opinion, you, you know, you're just a passenger. Then you know, you're you're you don't make the calls. The team make the calls, and right or wrong, I mean, it's it is what it is. But uh, what do you guys uh, talked about after the race to see what you could have done different? Yeah, what we. Um... What we all chatted about whenever we were done um, is that we we can't just look behind us. We have to look around us. Uh, we have to play possibilities of what other people might do. And, you know, the two yellow flags that came out in the beginning allowed people to do the two-stopper. And it was a really late call whenever they called me into the pits uh, and it was to cover Rossi. Um, we were the one of the only ones on the three-stop strategy under green. I know like Bourdais and other guys did the three-stopper, but they went in in the first safety car. Um, I think we all understood that we just have to look outside of just someone that's either behind us or in front of us, not just cover one person, but but play our own race, you know? Um, so yeah, I just think it was, a it was, it was a, it was a tricky situation to know, like, ah, you know, the, do we have the pace to, to pull off the three stop strategy? Um, but man, the, the, the Ganassi cars were, were strong. They were strong all weekend and we didn't quite have enough for, 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 for them at the end to really catch them and attack. Sounds to me like you, you've tried or attempted as a team and as a driver to put the frustrations behind you. But that having been said, listening to your answer, it sounds like it's still there uh, rolling over inside a paddle award. Man, it's just um, it, every time you start on pole, you want to win the race. Um, and uh, it, then when you look back, it's so easy to say, oh, this is what we did wrong. Oh, this is what, you know, what we should have done better. But then whenever you're in the heat of things, and I think Tony can can speak on behalf of this as well, is it, it's tough. It's tough to make the calls. It's tough to know what exactly everyone else is going to do. Um, and and the Ganassi guys played it really smart. They, they saw an opportunity to take an alternate strategy and um, – and that's what ended up working in the end. Um, we had a lot, a lot of pace. And, you know, I think if the race was five laps longer, it would have been okay. But we were just not in, uh, not in the right window of using the, the, three stops, the three stopper. If there was no yellows, it would have been okay. But since, since the two yellows came out in the beginning and, um, you know, the possibilities of another yellow coming out in the middle of the race could have, you know, could have happened. Um, because it, it was tough to pass and people were banging wheels here and there. Um, but they just never came out. So no one ever, you know, got, you know, close back up to, to each other. And we had to do it on, on outright pace. And, and we got sort of close in the end, I think like three and something seconds to Palau. But I was, I didn't have push to pass. You know, it was already kind of just stuck there but i think there's a lot of positives we should take out of there we we were strong and that's the the very important thing the speed was there and the pace was there um we just need to be a bit more clever strategy wise next time okay well you start the season pretty strong i think that was a huge uh 
you know, boost for the for the entire team. You guys were competitive. You didn't win the race because of some circumstances, but I think you had you had the fastest car out there. Um, what are your what are your expectations for this weekend? You know, St. Pete's a street course. Um, you know, what you guys think you're going to be as strong? Because you know, like last year, obviously you're pretty strong in uh, in Road America. So you would say Road America, Barber. You know, they're they're their road courses. What do you think about what you guys have for uh, St. Pete? I think looking back at what we at what we had last year, I think there are some improvements to be made, especially to the Andretti cars. I think the Andretti cars were very, very strong, uh, as well as, you know, when Joseph got into clean air, I had nothing for him. Um, but I think we have a competitive car. Um, I like that place. I think it's a, it's a, it's a great place to it, – it's a place where you have to start up front. You know, it's, it's really, really tough to start towards the back and make anything happen. You need yellows to fall in your favor. Um, but the goal is going to be, again, try and squeeze into the fast six and start within the top five or so. And I think starting there, we, we have a chance to win. Um, and obviously having a competitive car is going to allow us to do that, but, um, I'm feeling good about it, man. I, I like that place and, um, it'd be cool to, to get one place better than what we ended last year. <laughs> <laughs> I want to go back because those of us that, that were treated to watching you, uh, from Alexander Rossi's in-car camera on NBC, I don't know about you, TK. But this cat, how he you drive such a loose race car and still go fast amazes me. Share with us how you do it. He won't share it. Well, well, actually, <laughs> that was that was non-intentional. So uh -oh. <laughs> we we had uh, the second safety car. Like once we were talking about right now the strategy. Oh, you know that that is what allowed others to do the two stopper. But honestly, it also saved me to 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 re to kind of like re-energize the rear left tire because for some reason when i was warming up the tires after the first safety car when we started back on green rear left was ridiculously overheated i don't know why um so everybody saw man i was like i was hanging on i can usually drive a, an oversteery car but man that was like I have a puncture, like there is something wrong. Uh, but then I went to my page and I saw the temperatures and that's the only tire that was just like skyrocketed. And I was like, why? But then the yellow came out. I was like, oh, thank God. So then I cooled the tires off. Um, and whenever we went back to green, uh, everything was under control and okay. <laughs> but uh, it was, I was struggling to keep Rossi behind me, man. It was, it was, it was hard to drive. <laughs> It was actually uh, pretty spectacular to watch on TV, but uh, <laughs> I have to say, as a race car driver, it's one of those things, Pato, you know, if, if, I, if you were falling that guy, you go, he's going to crash, I'm just going to wait here, and I think that's what Rossi was thinking, that's what I was thinking, I'm like, he can't keep doing that for that long, man, it's, 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 yeah. it's going to bite him, you know? Yeah, and once you're pushing already, like you no, that's can't it. cool off the tires. You need the safety car to go like yeah, guys, for the, 10 for miles the an hour. Once you got to that stage that Pato was, there is no turning back unless a yellow comes out. You cannot mm. cool a tire trying to go fast. It's impossible. 
you can it's slow impossible. down a bit, but then you have Rossi try to eat you alive. So you, you enter in a place that is no point of return. And then you just have to pray. And I think, uh, yeah, the yellow kind of saved you for sure. Yeah. <laughs> the, the late the late Buddy Baker guys coined the phrase that a loose race car like we witnessed, Pato, uh, that boy just had five accidents and didn't actually understand that okay <laughs> he's been in a crash but nobody told him uh, one of the things that fascinates me and this is certainly it stretches across uh the ntt indycar series pato is that there are these war rooms back away from the racetrack that are interconnected to the timing and scoring towers and yet with team mclaren um is does that tie in stretch all the way back to the United Kingdom and McLaren and the F1 juggernaut that it is? Uh, so, yes. So there are, um, I can't remember how many there are, but there's around uh, six, eight engineers that, that coming into, uh, into the intercoms and, 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 and help out more than anything. They, they analyze, they analyze mm. the data, they analyze the, 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 the things that, that are going on. Um, but, you know, I mean, being at the track is, is totally different to, 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 to watching or, or you're seeing some telemetry, you know? Well, listen, we uh, wish you uh, good luck this weekend. Uh, here's the deal. As you said, uh, all you have to do is finish one position better than at Barber. And uh, you're going to be one of the contenders there. And we appreciate your visiting with us here on Brick by Brick. No, thank you, guys. I'm uh, hey, looking uh, forward to this weekend. It's going to be a good one. I'm looking forward for you to get that win so I can go watch your F1 test, okay? <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. Well, TK, that puts a lid on another edition here of Brick by Brick. Coming up very shortly, there's a driver that's going to be staring down the barrel of a gun. Guess, guess who I was referring to? Uh, a Spaniard uh, that is not Alonso that uh, won a race last weekend. Is that the guy? Mm -mm. No, no. I like to project forward. Wow. You're only okay. a couple of weeks away from a double down at Texas Motor Speedway. Well, you ready? Oh, I'm, I'm more than ready. Trust me. <laughs> if you go back to last year's race, the car that I'm racing, uh, the team that I'm racing, one apart from winning the race, was running one, too. So uh, now I have a little guy called Palou that is going to give me a hard time with Dixon and Erickson. So hopefully we want to do, we already have a plan to try to do a one, three, four, five. Uh, sorry, one, two, three, four. Um into the top five so we'll see if that will work for chip well, well just remind your fellow drivers that age and treachery will beat out youth and enthusiasm at nah, least 80 percent of the time 100 percent. but i gotta remind everybody else that texas is my best average finish in indycar in 23 years so I, i'm not trying to say anything but i am i'll be extremely disappointed if i'm not in a contention to win there well we'll drill down deeper about that next week texas is also the site many many years ago when you took out the clippers and gave me a tk haircut that for the and, most part i've retained 
Exactly. exactly. <laughs> All right. Uh, earlier, I asked you to um, give me an idea or your thoughts on St. Pete. What I'm going to call them is comers and goers. Who are some of the people that are the, the regular folks that we should look at? And then couple that with some long shots that could capitalize, because I think we're going to see a lot of that this season. Uh, I would say the regulars. I mean, Dixon, Newgarden is going to come because he's not happy with the mistake. Uh, Power, Palou, and Pato. I mean, mm. those are, you know. Then you're going to see, I think, Rosenquist um, coming strong. And the comers and goers, I have to say, I would say Bourdais and uh, Grosjean. I think you're going to see it. You know, they had a pretty decent weekend. Uh, in Barber, I'm not sure if if either the team, I mean, on, on Borde's side, if the team is ready to be that strong weekend in, weekend out. Um, I'm being fair. I've been there. And, yeah. and you know, I hope they do. And then with with, uh, with Grosjean, it's the other way around. The team is ready, but I think Grosjean hasn't been in the street circuit that much. I mean, they've done Monaco, you know, but that's it. So... I would say those. I mean, but it's so tough when we talk about this year's field to single out somebody, Jack. We're gonna be so wrong because yeah. I don't see that is not a single guy there in the top fifteen that you can single out. You know, it's really uh, it's really tough. I understand what you're saying about Grosjean never having run on a street course, but then again, there was an F1 and there continues to be. Monaco. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but what I'm saying is like he's done Monaco once a year. We do three courses like six, yeah. seven, eight times a year. So, <laughs> you know, but but again, I think I will pick him as a you know one of the comers for sure. I for one have been very, very surprised how easily or how quickly he's adapted to these cars. What say you? a hundred percent. Although I have to say, uh to adapt to a good car, it's much easier. <laughs> Them oh. to a bad setup card and in coin i mean we know how strong they were in the past few years but yes i mean he did a stellar job i mean he was seventh if i'm not mistaken in qualifying he made into the top 10 with such a competitive field in his first race i mean it's promising i think he's gonna be you know it's gonna be a pain if you know what i mean uh during this year listen enjoy your time in brazil i know well, i'm racing getting... right i'm racing yeah I was so going to say, I, I know race, you're so. getting your taste of stock car racing down in Brazil. And people don't realize that is a large segment of racing uh, in your home country. Uh, there's a lot of IndyCar drivers that uh, spend yeah. a little time in those cars. I mean, if you think about it, this is the biggest series in Brazil we have. So right now, myself, Rubens Barrichello, Felipe Massa, and Ricardo Zonta, which means the last four guys that won races in F1 and IndyCar in the, the last two decades. So the hype is up. I mean, this is a strong series with a bunch of other good guys. And uh, again, I'm going into a track that I haven't driven in 25 years, 29 years uh, with a car that I've never driven, not put a single lap in yet. So we'll see. We'll, see. we'll talk about it next week. We will indeed. And just remember, your partner wants to leave you with one thing to think about winning isn't everything but it is the only thing we're glad that you joined us here on brick by brick if you missed any of this episode or any of them 
You can uh, find them on the SiriusXM app and on Pandora. My thanks as well to uh, our producer, Nate Lee, as uh, he puts this show together. Quick reminder, if you want more about racing, be sure to visit my website, Jackaroots Wind Tunnel. We talk to IndyCar drivers. We talk to stock car drivers. We talk to weekly racing series drivers. And, oh, by the way, we even talk to Tony Kanaan. For all of you, a hearty thank you. For TK and our guests, I'm Jack Aroot. So happy you visited with us today, and we'll see you next week. Wednesdays at 7 Eastern. Listen to our weekly IndyCar series, Brick by Brick, on NBC Sports Audio Channel 211 and the Sirius XM app. Free for most subscribers.